Hello everyone, just before we get into this week's episode, just a quick disclaimer that um, both myself and Adam's mics didn't record, so the audio used is from the laptop mic, which is why we sound real distant and not as clear as Dave, so apologies about that. We learn from our mistakes and we'll do better going forward. Thank God Dave talks from most of this, he's an absolute legend and we loved having him on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Take care, and sorry. Are you ready? Yeah. Go. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the second episode of the Outside Podcast with me, Aaron. Me, Adam. How are you getting on? I'm absolutely chuffed to announce this guest we have on Zoom here. He's an absolute legend. If you don't know who he is, where have you been? When he talks, you listen. His voice is so soothing. He's an award-winning mindset coach. He's a content creator with over 10,000 followers on Facebook. Nearly 2,000 on Twitch and over 1,000 on YouTube. It's none other than Dave Cottrell, aka Mindset by Dave. Welcome to the after session. Oh, thank you very much. It's like, well, we've just had the session, so this is the after session, right? Yeah. I'm not drinking whiskey with a, with a couple of Irish boys. That's a that's a dangerous <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Let's touch on a bit what you do there. Do you want to go in a bit more depth, let people know exactly what you do? Yeah. Um, to be fair, I spend more time working as what I call a mental health educator now than working as a coach. Um, the, being a coach is still my profession. Uh, and basically that was one-to-one. I used to work as a personal trainer. And I came off working as a PT into working with people's habit change and helping them change behaviors and stuff. And because I've got my own very, very speckled history with mental health, um, a lot of my content ended up going towards sharing my own private story and, well, personal story. It's not private. It's all over the bloody internet. And... (sighs) um, And a lot of people were relating to that. and, And essentially, I moved into sort of working with habit change and I was doing some additional qualifications along the, the thing that I consider to be a somewhat of a swear word which is life coaching um, when we think life coach it's like we think person in big flowery shirt and I do love a flowery shirt um, who's just like if you will it into the universe it will come to you and um, I'm a lot more practical than that so I, so I don't really like the title of life coach uh, so I went with the title of mindset coach um, which is basically I talk about mental health and I talk about habits and um, changes in behavior, changes in thought patterns, the, the same way as a an exercises, the same way as a personal trainer would recommend exercises and thought patterns for your physical health. I do the same for your mental health. Very clear on boundaries and very clear that people know that I'm not a therapist. Um, and I always refer out people to to additional help if they, you know, if they need it. But I try and give them that bit of a different way of thinking about things. And then that's the one-to-one stuff and the mental health education stuff. Uh, Basically, about three years ago, I started going into schools to share my own personal story and then share some of these techniques. Um, I was doing that for free for the NHS. 
and they loved what I did and they got some really good results off it in the schools in Lancashire so they hired me a few months back to write a syllabus for um for teaching mental health awareness and um and sort of low low level mental health personal development you know the type of stuff that you can do without a therapist for teaching that kind of first aid type level stuff in schools and um, today has actually been an entire day of doing that where I was training a group of teachers today to deliver the sessions that I used to teach so it's a yeah it's two very very different roles that versus the content creation side where I get to be mindset by Dave on Twitch and just be be my completely and utterly truly bipolar self um, being having open dialogues about mental health and all of that stuff so yeah basically mental health mental health mental health and a bit more mental health sorry go ahead see when you're doing the pt lessons were people coming to you at that time about yeah. advice and... yeah absolutely i mean at first i didn't share much about myself because I like a lot of people have it when they when they're um, when they're working in an area. There's that pressure that you've got to be the one that's got it all worked out. So you know, as their personal trainer, I had to be the one that's always motivated. I had to be the one that's uh, always on top of things. So that that actually worked out being really good for my mental health in the short term over the first few years of being a PT because I had to kind of do the whole fake it till you make it now the reason I say in the short term there's only so much of that that you can you can do before you burn out again and it's like oh I just I can't turn up today and when that happened um I had you know when I had my first sort of sick day which I think was about 18 months in um I decided every instinct in me wanted to tell people that it was you know for some of a made up reason and not the fact that it was about depression and the fact that I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't shower, I couldn't brush my teeth. And I don't know, something has decided, you know what, I don't want to hide this. Like I don't want to hide this anymore. So I so I told, I told the clients from that day and they were like, oh, I'd never have thought about that from you and all the rest of it. And then going forward, I'd basically, if I was having a day where I felt like I wasn't a hundred percent there. I'd say to them, you know, I'm you know, sorry if I'm not hundred percent here today and just I'm struggling with this, but I wanna still be here for you to the best of my abilities. And it took a lot of time for me to um sort of get past the hurdle with that because there was a lot of internal stigma around you know, being good enough and having, you know, the idea that a coach wants to come across as someone who doesn't need a coach or someone who doesn't need any additional help. And I realized that kind of hiding that side of me was only making me feel worse long term. Once I opened up about that, um, that was when clients, like the the floodgates sort of opened with in terms of both clients and online, you know, requests. And it literally not, not asking for advice or anything like that, just kind of a lot of times saying, oh, me too, and that I've been through that too. And, um, you know, so, you know, this is how I've dealt with it. And like, you know, talking to me about how I dealt with things. So that definitely... Like, you know, that, that definitely happened early on once people knew that I was that, you know, that I was able to talk about those things. What were you going to say before I interrupt you? Oh, no, I can't remember. I kind of got lost <laughs> in the story there. He was dead right. <laughs> very cute boys, man. Very easy man to listen to. No, but man, that's incredible work, though. Do you know what I mean? It's it's fantastic to hear that you're able to build up that sort of relationship then with, like, the people that you're working with, especially because they're able to resonate exactly with what you're going through, you know? So yeah. that's fantastic, man. But, like, it's great to see you. Feeling so much better on the other side. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on a microphone right now or on camera. On well, own. I mean, the thing is, and I'm, I'm really, I think it's really key that people know this is that I don't, I don't, I still don't have it all 
together. I still don't have it all 100% worked out. Um, but there's an expression I use with my client base, which is we don't guilt ourselves into greatness. It's like when you when you when everything's falling apart, turning around and saying to yourself, "Oh, as if you know," or like, "What the hell's going on?" Or man, uh, you know, oh, we've we've all met through uh, through Alan originally, and it's like who's got the uh, the, the the sort of social handle of ju- of just man up, um, but obviously for different reasons. But like that being that thing that you say to yourself, or like, "What's wrong with me? Why can't I do that?" Those those type of things. Those are the type of things I used to say to myself. Now I am literally I've just come out of the um, I have bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed at 14. So I go in and out of depressive episodes and it's not predictable how often it will happen. Um, it, it seemed to be as a teenager, but as an adult, it's like I can have three years without a really bad one. And then I can have 18 months with bad one after bad one after bad one, you know, and I had a really bad one last week, um, which lasted five days. And um, it's, One big thing is that the second it happened, I was on stream when I felt the light go off inside my head and I just told the audience, I said, look, I said, I've not got the energy for the rest of the stream. I don't, I said, I've just felt, I've just felt that kind of moment. I've just felt that trans, that change. And, um, and I said to them, you know, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to end the stream early because I wouldn't want any of you to ever have to apologize for your mental health. So I'm going to take my own advice on this one and not not apologize for the fact that I've not got the energy today. Uh, and then I took the rest of the week off streaming until until Saturday and I was supposed to be on someone else's stream and I kind of, and I literally, that light went back on again at about 20 to 11 on Friday evening and then overcompensated, felt the other direction and um, was was bouncing off the walls and didn't particularly sleep. So that was lovely and convenient. But one of my big things is that I for a while wanted to really show because I'm I'm so much more in control of things now than I was when I was a kid. Like you know, I didn't start getting in control of any part of my own mental health till I was about 28, and I was diagnosed at 14. So like literally by that point, I'd spent half my life with a diagnosis, struggling and not really doing anything about it because I'd maybe tried a few things and it didn't work. And you know, it's very easy to give up on thinking that anything's ever going to work for you. And I've had about 11 years now of kind of really working on it and my ability to look after it, it gets better every time. And But one of the big things I would say, it doesn't feel like it's better every time when you're depressed. It's like, it still feels like this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's like every single time. But um, one big, big, big change is um, I deal with myself with compassion now. I treat all of my clients with compassion. I treat my family with compassion. The last person on that list that it took me forever to get to was treating myself with compassion. So when I actually did that, take that time off, instead of sitting around all day going, "Ugh, I'm letting everybody down. Ugh, as if I can't do this. Look, you talk about all this mindset and mental health and here you are wallowing. Instead of that type of dialogue inside of my own head, I kind of went down the it's okay not to be okay route and, um, and really spent a lot of time sort of accepting the emotions the way they were, where they were, um, accepting the fact that, you know, I struggled and um, and accepting the fact that that's okay. Like treating myself like I would anybody else if they were in that same situation. When you were diagnosed with bipolar, Dave, did you learn more dealing with it yourself or was there actually proper help out there for yourself? Because what would you say, like, because now people always say, there's not that much help out there for people with depression and etc. So do you learn more going through the experience yourself and how to cope with it in the signs or was there actually like doctors there advising you or 
Yeah, um, I'd love to say that the doctors were loads of health, <laughs> but I'd be lying. Um, I had it's been a very it's been a very mixed bag, really. I would say um, I went down the personally prescribed coping mechanisms route. So I was put on I was put on some quite heavy um, antipsychotic drugs when I was fourteen. They um, they basically took away the lows, but also took away the highs. Uh, but at the time, I was getting bullied in school quite heavily, and the, what I turned to at the time was there was a little bit of gaming, but it was you know 1996. There wasn't that many good games out yet. You know, Final Fantasy VII hadn't even come out yet, and um, I think we were on, we were on FIFA '96 or whatever. It's like it was still in an isometric viewpoint, and um, Minecraft. <laughs> there was no it was no Minecraft. It was FIFA in Minecraft, but um, but but everyone was called Steve, and. Um, so the first thing I tend to was food, and that was that was you know kind of something I call a boomerang in the work that I do. It gives it gives you something positive in the short term, only to give you something negative in the long term. So for me, I'd eat it, it'd give me comfort, but then I'd feel bad about the fact that I'd eaten. Uh, originally, I wouldn't feel bad for days. Eventually, I'd feel bad sometimes whilst I was still eating. So I had all I said had all of the problems that were still there, and. Um, and none of the solutions really. It wasn't really helping because all that kept on happening is I was just feeling worse and worse about myself. And later in my teens, that turned into alcohol. And um, and then I kind of just tried to rush and get ahead with my life. Just after after high school, I tried to like rush and get ahead with my life. I got married at 20, had my first child at 24, 23, 22. He's 16 now. How old am I? 23. There we go. Um, had my first child at 23. Uh, and then by 24, like whilst I was trying to use life goals as the drug of choice, I had a full on breakdown, just ended up destroying the first marriage. And um, and when that happened, I turned to drugs for my comfort then. So then it wasn't until I was about, well, I, I had that all led up to eventually um, to a suicide attempt when I was 27. And, um, and after that, I... I completely thought before all that that I was a complete not a waste of space. I'd burnt a load of bridges. By the time I started taking drugs, I lost all my non-drug taking friends. Then I started. Then then I got into a relationship that was really really toxic and burnt relationships with my family, with my, and with my drug taking friends. And I was left with basically absolutely nothing except for my two kids. But I thought that I was a waste of space, and they deserved so much better. And instead of thinking well why don't i just get better um i thought there was no chance of that whatsoever i didn't think i was ever going to get any better um and it was only after a thankfully a failed suicide attempt i was watching this film called the diving bell and the butterfly and it's a true story about a guy with locked in syndrome and he'd learned to communicate with a nurse through a series of blinks and they'd written a book together for doing this and there's a bit where he's on the beach with his kids he's in the wheelchair he's strapped up to a machine he's like on a ventilator he can't even he can't breathe in his own or anything and he's just looking at his kids and watching and um and basically the line said i realized that even a shadow even a sliver of a dad is still a dad and that line that line transformed my life um, because even after the suicide attempt, I was still thinking I was a worthless piece of crap, basically. And then I realized that I still had that shadow, that sliver left, and I could be more. Now, from there, I went and started re-engaging with mental health services. Um, they'd Because I'd been put under the care of a crisis team after the suicide attempt, but it really felt like a box ticking exercise. 
Um, now, thankfully, um, I rebuilt bridges with my mum because um, I'd, I'd stopped speaking to basically everyone at that point. And my mum, my mum paid for me to go through some therapy and um, through some CBT through for it personally, which I get is a massive, massive privilege for um, you know. And that helped a lot because that basically showed me different ways in which I could think about things. Because when you when you get stuck in your own ways, you think about something and you think that's the only way. And this is the story. This is this is the truth. The best example I can give that we all do on this is um, when it used to just be the home phone. We'd phone someone and he didn't answer. Do we tell ourselves that they were busy or they were out or like they were on the toilet because we didn't take the home phone into the toilet with us? When you phone someone on a mobile and they don't answer the first thing you think is they're ignoring me the screen and me the all and on all this it's like and the same that's the kind of thing is like when people didn't answer my phone calls back then that was what i was feeling it's like i've burnt too many bridges nobody will nobody wants to be you know part of my life anymore no one wants anything to do with me and um so this the, the fair that was good and then i, I came out of that therapy um, thinking I was fixed, ready, healed, whatever it might be, got to a certain level, and I was like, "Ah, I can do this on my own." Classic man. Um, and and it and it and again, the weird thing was then my a doctor. I, I ended up struggling again, but a doctor at the, um, that had just been assigned to the doctor's surgery by me. He um, he he just he just basically been assigned me as a patient. Opened up the file, looked at it, and gone. This guy's not been back for a check on his on his bipolar or his medication for a long time, and um, and he got in touch with me and basically sent me. He's like, look, before we do a medication check and everything, I want you to do this mindfulness course, and he sent me off on a mindfulness course with a with a um, primary carer, and that mindfulness isn't the kind of be all and end all for everybody and medications are the be all and end all for everyone cbt's not there's no one size fits all but mindfulness really fit fitted with me because i'd been told at 14 you're either going to be all the way up here or you're going to be down there and there wasn't much information at all there was no internet you know or there was really bad internet at that age um you know 1996 it made lots of noise as well it was connecting you know (laughs) all that stuff um, (laughs) (laughs) someone's on the phone you can't do it it's like but it's um but there wasn't much information for me so my story had always been that i'm either here or i'm there and that can be true for some people that they only really feel like they exist but when you tell yourself you only exist there then you don't notice any of the stuff in the middle you don't you, you either think i'm manic or i'm depressed you don't think i'm okay today like i don't remember ever thinking as as a kid oh I just feel kind of okay today. I remember thinking when I was low and I was depressed, it's always going to be like this. And then whenever I got manic and, and got elevated, I remember thinking this is going to come crashing down sooner or later. And I was so I couldn't even enjoy the highs because I was already anticipating that the next low was coming. And that's a common story that I, when I talk to other people with bipolar, that they've that's what we've been led to believe is the case because the education it's not that fantastic. In reality, what it really means is that you're more prone to those things. You're prone to that high. You're prone to those lows. So if everyone else's emotions exist on a scale of one to ten, ours exist on a scale of minus ten to plus fifty. You know, it's there's there's just a bigger scale. There's just but we do still exist sometimes in that one to ten, the same as a person that's not got this condition. And um, that was what mindfulness mindfulness taught me. The phrase "this too shall pass." 
it's a cliche. People sew it into pillows and put it on Instagram posts, but it's actually really powerful because one of the biggest problems a lot of people have is when they've got problems and they think about their problems, they think this problem's going to last forever. This, These feelings are going to last forever. You know, last week when I was depressed again, I have no idea how long it's going to last. It lasts as long as it lasts. Um, but if I'm beating myself up while it's doing that, it's probably going to last a little bit longer. If I'm sat there going, if I sit there and go, you know what, this is going to last for months. Now suddenly I multiply what I'm feeling by months, you know longer you hold something the heavier it gets whereas if i sit there and go this too shall pass it reminds me that actually i've just got to get through this period i've just got to get through this period and something else is on the opposite side of it you know and then i'm not i don't have to feel like this forever so that was one of the really biggest changes for me um unfortunately that was the last positive experience i'd had with the doctors because i had a, a really bad sort of relapse about three years ago wanted to go back on medication took me ages to get all the way through to um took me ages to get all the way through to the psychotherapist which is the because per- because i'd not been on medication for a while i couldn't just have a re- medication review so i had to go for a complete and utter reassessment and the doctor after taking two months to get through um having completed the after complete a mood diary for bipolar um I knew that that was the biggest roller coaster of a mood diary I've ever handed into my doctor. And it was all, it was completely and utterly me being the objective truth, you know, in terms of where my, where those feelings were. And I was, I was kind of panicked thinking they're going to put me on because of how bad it was. I thought they're going to put me on a much stronger dose than they usually do, or they, they might go more extreme. And all that happened is it was the most invalidating experience of my entire life. I went in and the guy goes, he goes, he looks over it after about to talk to me for about two minutes. And he goes, I think you've been misdiagnosed with bipolar. And I was like thinking, oh, we could be going somewhere interesting here. You know, this, this, I think, and I was about to get some sort of breakthrough. And he just goes to me, you've got your own business, haven't you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you know, how many, um, how many followers do you have on Facebook? And I'm like, at the time I had like 300 and I was like 300. And he goes, get 500, you'll feel better. And then sends me on my way. And, and now, now funnily yeah. enough he, as you said in the intro i've got over ten thousand now and i do feel better now i want 50 actually i don't care about facebook anymore i want them all on twitch if i had t- ten thousand twitch followers that's what i want but um but this honestly and i just went out of there and i i, I i've never been so confused in my entire life because part of me is like now it's like have i been this this was only two three two or three years ago and i'm like have i been misdiagnosed for like 22 23 years but then i didn't have any other answers so since then i've been you know i've continued to treat myself as as if i still have the diagnosis of bipolar because i i still have periods of mania and i still have periods of depression um but in terms of learning I'm in the process now of trying to get assessed for ADHD um, just just down to a, a lot of traits that have been there my entire life that no one ever pointed out to me could have been ADHD. And then as soon as they got they started getting pointed out to me, I'm like, right, let's look this up. And um, and like I get along like if I if you put me in a conversation with another person with ADHD, it's like try shutting us up for like four and a half hours. Right. <laughs> but um what it's there's actually been shown that adhd plus trauma 
so like plus like PTSD can very much present exactly the same as bipolar in terms of symptoms. So I'm in the process right now of trying to be assessed again, which it it again I spoke to a doctor about it earlier in the year. They because I've put on a lot of weight over lockdown and I've, and um, like a lot of people have, all that doctor wants to talk to me about was my weight, and I'm like. I'm an ex-personal trainer. I can handle the weight side of things. You know, I know I know what to eat. I know I know how to train. And he start. He's like, you know, you can't out-train a poor diet. And I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, I'm like, I've just told you. I'm a personal trainer. I can handle that part. What I can't handle is this part. Please pay attention to this part. Um, and that's one of the most frustrating things is the fact that people with mental health conditions often have to do most of their own advocating in order to get any form of treatment right now and it's hard and it's difficult and it's difficult for me and it's difficult for a lot of my clients because as i said if any of my clients have got anything more serious than just the current thinking patterns aren't helping them current behavior patterns aren't helping them i have to refer them out and i and, and i when i do refer them out i know that a lot of times i'm going to be putting them into that system and them having to get that type, you know, try and get that type of help that way. And it's one of the, one of the things I've helped clients with the most in the last year is actually how to speak to your doctor. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, I'm sorry if that was a ridiculously long answer and I hate that that is the answer because, but it's the truth, but I, I hate that's the answer because there are people out there that have very positive experience with the doctors and, yeah. and also, I wouldn't recommend anybody shy away from, especially obviously where we've got with us having like the NHS and without like we've been able to get access to free healthcare. I really wouldn't recommend that anybody tries to do it on tries to do any of it on their own. Um, I'd say you know I think that getting a doctor's involvement, especially when waiting times are concerned as well, because a waiting time is a is a waiting time from the moment you're on it. It's a waiting list from the moment that you're on it. So if you wait another six months to get on the waiting list then it's 15 months as opposed to nine months from now. Um, so I do still strongly encourage people to to go and speak to their doctors about what they're experiencing. Um, but what you might find is that you might actually have to not only go and speak to them once or maybe even speak to a different doctor. You know, you might actually have to ask. And we've got something in the NHS called Right to Choose. You have, you actually do. Most people don't know it's there. No one really goes around advertising it. But you can ask for a second opinion. You can ask for a different doctor. You can ask for someone else to do it. But again, most people either don't know it's there or if they do, they've just built themselves up so much to go and have that first doctor's appointment that they've not got the fight left in them that day to go, I don't like what you've just said. Can I speak to somebody else? Yeah, that's it. It's just kind of the way off the mind, really, kind of thing of actually being there. So, yeah. so as I always say, it's like anytime someone asks me something, and I'm not prepared for it. It's like I'm not prepared for a follow-up question. <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. Like it's the same, same yeah. thing. Like. <laughs> I think the hardest part is actually taking that first step. I think most people are afraid to open up to even a relative. It may even a stranger. They even pick up the phone and call them to help, like Samaritans, and there's plenty out there. Think they're worried about being judged, and do you think that stigma is starting to go away since COVID happened? Now that more people are, well, well, from what I've seen, they're starting to open up a bit more about how they struggle to, through COVID, about how they haven't seen their mother, their girlfriend, or everyone in 
months and it, it got to them. So do you think people are learning over the past year more about their mental health and start to open up a bit more? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think there's a lot of things that people have experienced this year that other people with mental health were experiencing all along. Two big ones being forms of anxiety, so social anxiety um, and health anxiety. So it weirdly enough, the people I know who have social anxiety and health anxiety have had it since before COVID. This is like the event they were practicing for. <laughs> it's like, it's like ah, I've got social anxiety. I've had this all along. It doesn't matter that I've not seen people for months and I've got to go and see them for the first time. I've been dealing with this for years. Um, and health anxiety is is worried that you, you know, something's going to negatively impact you and your health, which obviously you know, the vast majority of us have had some degree of that over the last 18 months of year, as long as you exclude, you know, people who are just outright COVID deniers. Um, it's like they've not had health anxiety. <laughs> they might have getting beat up on the street by someone who's like, why are you such a flat earther? Um, but it's, um, but yeah, so there's those forms are definitely more so there. Um, more people are talking about it and have been, it's, that's been on, that's been steadily on the increase for years. Uh, which is great to see and people are getting better at listening to it as well listening to it is all that we really expect anybody to do if someone opens up to them that's a big misconception is people think that they need to have all the answers and you don't sometimes you just need to not be listen and be non-judgmental of the person that's in front of you let them know that it's okay what they're feeling let them know that you hear them like you that that can be enough for uh, for a lot of people um, but one of um, one of the main things that I would say that is re that does continuously help is actually whenever celebrities open up about it. Um, that un- I it's a bit of, I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with this, which is why there's a joke going around on my stream that I want to be a celebrity because people take celebrities seriously even on things that they know nothing about. <laughs> but it's um, but when celebrities open up about mental health, it's huge and um, it's 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 great that that then leads people to be like you know me too like oh the more we can actually open up about our mental health, it it normalizes it and encourages other people to do it. One of the best like times things like from doing this school work that I do is it it does have kids come up and actually make themselves known to the teachers or make themselves known. I, I had a, um, this is like, it's, it's kind of like a very, very bittersweet story, really. The first time I, I taught a primary school, because we were only doing secondary school at first because we thought that, that, you know, they needed the maturity. Turns out primary school kids absorb stuff about anxiety and, and, stre- and stress and depression and can relate to it really, really well, especially if you put it in superhero analogies. Um, but, and this one kid from year six, um, which is like 11, 10, 11, came up to the front and said, and just basically said, you know, I, I suffer with depression and I re- I get really, really sad sometimes and, and my mum doesn't know how to how to like deal with me when I'm like that. And like I burst out crying and the rest of his year group and like all just gave him this great big round of applause and I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's that's such a hurdle that's kind of been overcome now that you know, an eleven year old talking about that. Uh, you know, or or talking about it and just not having someone in the background go, oh, shut up and sit back down, you know, whatever. Like it's um, there's there's a lot of change there, but when um, 
especially again i wish this wasn't the case that like men are often treated as strong now for opening up about their mental health whereas women are treated as not so much so it's, there's, there's been a sort of shift in that so if a if a woman opens up about her mental health it can often be seen as attention seeking whereas if a man opens up about his mental health he worries that he's going to be perceived as weak but usually it's like we get so much credit for the fact that we do it um and i think that again comes from this historically the fact that men have shut themselves off for it and i think we'll find we'll find the balance of it eventually hopefully there'll still always be people that think it's all in your head and it's like cool and you go and kick them in the knee and then you go that's all in your knee it's like it's like don't worry don't worry about it don't kick people in the knee you can get thrown off podcast things for inciting violence i'm not inciting violence i'm not suggesting you actually go and kick someone in the knee um <laughs> It's like that's the one bit you listen to in the whole podcast. (laughs) That's getting clipped up right there. (laughs) Seriously, the best way to get clips, by the way, is say to people, "Don't clip that." Um, Little bit of little bit of armchair psychology for you there. (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Wait, that's fucking mad! Like a ten-year-old saying that. Like I'm thinking back from when I was in primary school. Like that was like that was never the talk of school. Like no one ever came in and talked about us. It was never mentioned in the classroom. Was never mentioned at home. Just to think a ten year old came up to you and said that is lots of words I really have. Like, that's mental, it really does show as well. Like the real lapse there that was like in the planning. Like that should have been a fundamental like a mental health should have been a fundamental part of how school was set up. Yeah. In fairness, like you know what I mean? Like if your mental health is in the right place, you'll be able to learn better. You'll get on better, you'll socialise better, your life will be better. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm preaching to the choir over here. Yeah. But that's it. Like it's fundamental, it should have been there for years, but I'm glad to hear that. A man like yourself is bringing that to the forefront and really action in that well. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be happy on Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of other people that are doing it as well. So, you know, which is which is great to see. Um, and it's there's there's an organisation called Change Talks that I do every that I do that side of things with, and it's which is essentially it's an organisation, but it's one guy um, as well. So, who'd been through similar things. His name's Sam Tyra, and he's an absolute legend. Um, and he's, you know, this, this, this particular one was his brainchild and I'm just the mouthpiece of it. You know, I, <laughs> I get up, he, he does all the connections and puts all the dots together and then I get up and do the talks and that's, uh, it's, uh, it, it works out really, it works out well for the pair of us really, because he much rather would rather be doing the things behind the scenes and I'd much rather never do a piece of admin in my entire life. I took the register today when we did this, when we did the session today and I was like, look, Sam, I did admin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of myself. And then I spoke for five and a half hours. It was like, so it's like, I think, yeah, it was a, it's good. It's exciting what we're doing as well, because um, it's only at the minute that, that, syllabus we're testing it out in um, Lancashire and South Cumbria um, so just two counties in the northwest of England but there's already a bit of interest coming from um, Public Health England and stuff for taking it across the country which I'm slightly terrified about but you know what sometimes we're not always ready for things until we start doing them so um, yeah. Only yeah. <laughs> exactly <No. laughs> And see the way people find it hard to open up for the mental health. Do you think people not slack off, but when they get the help and they start feeling a bit better, they're like, I don't need this anymore. And they go off to the wrong thing and they fall back into the spell. They're like, oh, shit, wait, actually, I do need more continuous help. 
because I'm not sure if pe- I'm not sure if people do that, but that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I- said to help afterwards. We felt like one thing. We felt fine. We wasn't going through his spells. Helped him more than when he actually went to seek help in the first place. Yeah. Well, it's like you know. Um, on on Twitch, we've got um, James from the In Betweeners. Jay from the In Betweeners has got his yeah. channel completed. It made one day. I just want to get him on an interview, and all I want him to say is mental health. Oh, I can't do his accent. Well, I've got two earphones in. I can't do accents when I've got headphones in. It's weird. I can do them. I do them perfectly when obviously without. You know, I'm not going to take him out. Irish, my great Irish accent's not that bad actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I've got you know got something to bounce off right now. I just want him to say mental health completed it, mate, because that's. Honestly, that's how I felt um, about that's how I felt about five years into once I started really looking after things in my sort of like early mid thirties. So when I was about 33, 34, um, I really thought I had it cracked. I was going to the gym every day. Well, six days a week, taking a rest day. I was eating obscenely well. I had a business that I was doing really, really well in. Um, you know, as I said, I was being there for clients was actually giving me a sense of purpose and all of this. My relationship was going well. My relationship with my kids were going well. Everything was just really good for a solid few years. And I had never, I had never had that, like, I've still had bad days, but they were days. They were never, it was never really depressed periods where I was completely despondent and I completely lost hope. And, um, <clears throat> Then I had that period that I told you about where I ended up back at the doctors and the whole, you know, get some more likes on Facebook debacle happened. And um, what brought me out of that? Uh, I was relying, I was lying on my couch, basically crying out loud, repeating the phrase, no one's coming to save me. Like that was, my brain had got that phrase stuck on, on, on a loop. And I was just sat there weeping, just going, no one's coming to save me. No one's, and I, one point i just repeated it one more time and it just like it was like a ping moment and it was just like no one's coming to save me i've got to do this myself and then i was like the the secondary ping went off which was like saying if you're feeling like this then there's probably other people that feel like this too there's probably so many other people out there that are waiting for someone to come and save them and haven't quite got to that stage where you're saying now that um, you know I need to do this for myself. And um, off the back of that, I launched a project called A Life A Day, um, which was basically, I said, from January 2018, I think I started it. 18, 19, 20, 20, yeah, 21. This year was its fourth year, yeah. So 18, yeah, so into January 2018, I sat with this plan to be proactive with with helping people, with reaching out to try and help people before they reach out to me. Um, and the idea of offering an hour of my day every day to a different person, it was supposed to last one year. <laughs> um, and I couldn't do it literally one hour every single day. Some days I did four hours, some days I did none, you know. And um, But I did it, and by the middle of November, I'd done the full 365 for the year. And the problem is, like any human on this planet you always want to make the next thing bigger so i did it for a following year and i called it a life a day pay it forward where i gave everybody an hour of my day 
except for um, I basically said to them, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to ask you for anything in return. I just want you to do something nice for free for somebody else. So the idea being that I help 365 people. They each go and help 365 people. Yes, it is taken from a film. Um, <laughs> but, um, and um, and then the film's called Pay It Forward. <laughs> and, um, and then in 2020, I... Um, I basically had this. I basically had this other project. I, I, I extended it further, and I'd made lots of contacts within both the personal training in- industry, other coaches, sports therapists, and all this. And I basically created created something called a life a day. It takes a village, and I had harassed. I'm not good at asking people for stuff. I'm good at giving people stuff. I'm not good at asking people for stuff, right? So. I harassed all of these people that had like, you know, that these other contacts and was like, well, can I get you to give something away for free? And like, you know, I'll push people in your area towards you, like saying that you've got this many sports massages or you've got this many PT sessions or whatever it is for free. And I'll help you find them. And then I'll, you know, big your page up through my page and with a lot of us together, the pro, the pro, uh, it's all based on, I think it's an African proverb. It takes a, it takes a village to raise a child. And I am, um, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, it takes it's going to take a village to raise the profile and to help with mental health. It's you know, it's not going to be. It's I'll do as much of my job as I can do, but I'm only one small piece of the puzzle, you know. And so that was going fantastic until this little unknown thing happened around February or March called COVID, um, and then that shut it down. And for me, that like, like that was just like just that destroyed the purpose of all that and i couldn't ask anybody at that point to to give up any time and this that was a huge side note off the back of the idea that but that whole experience of me feeling like that um i think it was very humbling and i needed that feeling because you get a lot of you get a lot of people within the sort of self-development space that have mastered it or again at least want to appear like they've mastered it and they're very they can be very very judgmental quite easily like oh look look you just uh, that can be very invalidating towards someone's feelings yeah you just need to do this more you just need to do that more oh i did this so you should too oh you know i lost this amount of weight so you should too i made exercise a priority so you should too so you can you know and it's this the, the word should i hate it it um because it's it never makes a person feel empowered it just makes a person feel shamed it makes a person feel like they're not doing enough and actually, that's not the best way to get a person to do things. One in every two hundred people, roughly, you, you shame them. They'll do, it and, and then they'll they'll do they'll do something out of spite. They'll they'll achieve something out of spite just to piss you off. Um, but the vast majority of us, as I said before, we don't guilt ourselves into greatness. And that's why I want to get that. I want to get Jay to be like mental health completed it, mate, as a bit of a joke because that's what I genuinely thought. I'm like, I've I've nailed this mental health thing now, and I really I needed to be brought back down to earth because I think I'd be, I think I'd probably be, I'd probably be like hugely successful but unable to sleep at night if I'd have carried on down that path because anyone else that had come up to me and said this is really really hard, I'd have probably been one of those you're just not trying enough kind of people and. I'd have turned into everything I hate. So I'm kind of glad that my depression kept me humble. Glad <laughs> you got Jay to say that. And he used that as your Twitch so. I would <laughs> yes, that's that's what I want. Uh I know I'm gonna say, um I don't know if you know musical moob slap, but he's in the same stream team as him. So I keep on I keep on wanting to ask him, like, but at the same time, I'm really bad at asking for things if we haven't already covered that. <laughs> 
So we'll just give a little shout out to all your followers. Just get on to Jay from the in-betweeners there and make sure that you can get that sound boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll go, and, I'll go and drop a big fat dono on his page, but they, you know, then it's like, you don't do no giving for the sake of getting something back. Ah, again, see, I'm becoming everything I hate again. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> it's a slippery slope to lose your ethics. <laughs> It might take a village though to get him to send that over to you. <laughs> well, yeah, a village, small army. <laughs> we'll see what we can wrangle up. <laughs> oh, amazing. Speaking of Twitch there, Dave, uh, it's going to share all your social media platforms. So if you go follow Dave on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, everywhere is Mindset by Dave. The content I made it is unreal. And um, you give some great advice. There was one in particular, Dave, where um, you said that set little goals for yourself something as small as getting out of bed having a shower making your bed doing the dishes etc set little goals and you can look back at the day to say look what i've achieved i didn't sit around all day i actually achieved something in my day and actually feel better about yourself yeah and some of the content you put out like i have to applaud you like you really do open my eyes to some things and it has helped me personally so just thank you for that while I'm here. I appreciate it. Um, but you're just a man of many words. <laughs> I'd, love to get, I'd love to just pick at your brain and see what's going on in there. You, well, to be fair, I, I generally put what's going on in my brain out on my social medias. Like that's that's one thing I've got kind of I've got good at is like sometimes it's like journaling on the fly. My Twitter's definitely become that over the last um the last few last two years or so sometimes i'm like did i put this thought out like i, I call it half cooked you know partially cooked chicken it's like is this this cut this thought is not cooked all the way through <laughs> and, um, but yeah like the last as i said the last week um there's been a lot there's been a lot of deep thinking about about my own depression and like what what is kind of currently leading to that and then what's kind of historically led to a lot of that and um one of the big ones we've talked about a little bit today is the fact that I struggle to ask people for help. But not only do I struggle to ask people for help, I struggle to do things just for me. I The easiest way I justify doing things for me is that if I do something for me, then it helps somebody else. So the one I've really made peace with now is that I go to the gym basically every day. And if I go, cause when I go to the gym, I'm bouncier and happier at home. So for me to go to the gym just for me in the first place was um it took a while to get to get over that hump you know i'm much more happy being the one giving the help than being the one receiving the help but this was one of the big things that i was having i'm i'm calling it my midlife crisis to be honest um because i had at 24 when th- when 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 i had that what i called my quarter life crisis um i I hit a point where I'd literally spent years doing everything for everybody else. I am, I've been, I've been that type of person. I, I was, and I've been that type of person as long as I can remember. And it kind of makes sense. You know, like my dad, I only ever saw him for a couple of hours a week. And most of the time he was asleep. And if I made a noise and woke him up, I was in trouble, you know? Um, whereas my mum, cause my dad had left. She was, um, she was, she started her own business and she was working every hour God sends. And, you know, I needed to stay out of the way there so that she could focus and concentrate on what she was doing. So, I very much learned to to put my own needs last, you know, and to put the needs of everyone else first. And that has just carried on forever for me to the point at which I've found ways to sort of work around it, but not enough. 
And as a result, when I was 24, I rebelled and pushed back against that. And I could feel it coming like for weeks now about the fact that I'm just like, I'm just getting so exhausted of putting everybody else first. But I feel like if I put myself first, like my Twitch audience wouldn't still be there. Or if I put myself there first, my wife would be angry with me. It's like, there's a, there's a kind of a little bit of a, I'm not sure if it's reached the stage of a joke yet because we only started talking about it last week. But in my house, I said, <laughs> I said if people could see inside my head and see what I was thinking, like you just said then, they'd probably think that my wife was an abuser because <laughs> she has literally <laughs> never said that I can't go out and see my friends or I can't do anything. But because of like my own thoughts about that from history that I've not quite fully processed and not quite fully like and that never they they never came up when it, in my therapy which is bizarre really loads of other stuff came up in my therapy and some of the ways my dad treated me came up in therapy but the that whole needing to be out the way for me mum thing never came up in therapy because I as far as I can send when I did see me mum we had a fantastic relationship and we still do um so it was always like my dad relationship being the big obvious one so I've not fully dealt with those yet, and it's it's something that I'm I'm starting to now work through, and I'm going to go and get a bit more CBT specifically, specifically focusing on that particular issue to hopefully work through that because it mean it right now it's like every time that one of my friends says do you fancy doing something, all I'm thinking is what if Alona needs me or what if the, what if the kids need me, you know when uh, even when it's down to like work appointments, I can t- I find it easy to take them during the day. But like, if of an evening, I mean, this is like, I, I didn't, I, I was alright with this one, <laughs> but like, it's like, I'm like, I can't just say yes and be my own boss, even though I am my own boss. I feel like I've got to run everything past my family, and that's never been said. And also, Alona doesn't have to do that with me either. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not asked with it when she does it, unless she does it like five nights a week, and then I'm like, when am I seeing you? But um, but like, it's so it's it's that's one of the big things I've got to get over because. As anyone who's ever put everyone else first will know, is eventually you you feel great at first from it. It gives you a purpose, it gives you a sense of drive, but eventually you start feeling put out yourself. You start feeling maybe a little bit resentful and a little bit bitter. Now, when I was twenty four, that meant um, screw everybody. I'm not that that I'm no one's. I'm mine, and you know that really came to a culmination when I kind of buggered off to Thailand on my own for a month and just like left everyone behind and stuff. And um, I don't want that to happen again. So now it's like, okay, well, what can I do to look after myself? And a lot of that's been like little baby steps, you know, recently. This is going to sound really silly, especially to a bunch of guys, but uh, bought myself some of my own shampoo not using my wife's you know like basically because i've got i've got psoriasis i've got a different scalp than she does than she does and I'm, i haven't had medicated shampoo since i was about 14 or 15 um so i've just used hers and then had an itchy scalp for like 20 odd years um and i bought myself some <laughs> i bought myself some psoriasis shampoo a couple of months back and that's a little act of self-care um you know like you know buying myself some clothes like rather than waiting for like christmas or birthday to come around and like you know 90 percent of my wardrobes been bought for me by by my missus these days because i'll just wait until if there's an event coming up and I'm, i'll I'll be buying an, a, a new shirt on the morning of the event sometimes because i've got to have one then but i'm terrible at like you know getting everything for the stream room was hard like in fact again most of this stuff was christmas and birthday gifts like the stuff that i have like I've 
I find it hard to even money that I've earned myself spend on spend on what I'm doing. And that's something I'm really working through. So if you want to know what's going on inside my head, that's what's going on inside my head about me at the minute. Um, in terms of the rest of the world, it's like it's it's feeling like the, the job with mental health is like someday you some days you see the results with that as in like other days it's like you've got to just remind yourself that actually keeping things exactly how they are and stopping them from getting any worse actually is a win <laughs> you know um because that's what it can feel like some days some days it can feel like you know you've you've been in my twitch chat so you know that some days we have just struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle in that chat other days there's people in there sharing the wins and saying what they've like things that we've talked about the week before have helped them but a lot of times it's people that are just struggling and that's um when you're faced with that a lot it's um it's you have to again take those little wins wherever those wins are um and that's one of the big things is you know i need to value myself more but i also need to um I also need to kind of value the wins that we get in that department more, like you said before. You touched on gear day saying that uh, all the stuff you have is made of Christmas presents. They don't buy yourself stuff. So that basically described me. That's how I used to be up until like get you a few months ago where I struggled to buy myself like a six euro top online. Like that six euro, I can use that for lunch or whatever. Like I used, I used to find it hard to treat myself. But um, regarding like materialistic things you think people go out and try flash things just try to show off like let's say the new iphone comes out it's a thousand quid people would rather spend that thousand quid on a new iphone rather than let's say investing in themselves like maybe starting up a new business venture like you have two or three hours to sit there and watch netflix rather than spend two or three hours to maybe invest in themselves or learn learn new skills sort of thing yeah like do like go to the gym or do yeah, like yoga gym, or something like that meditation or even yourself mindfulness like yeah yeah so like are people trying to cope by trying to show oh look at me i've loads of money i'm gonna go and buy the new gucci belt just to show people like oh look at me i have money i'm gonna feel great about myself and then go home like i've no money to eat now <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I mean, I sort of like um, used this phrase before, didn't I? I said about call it a boomerang, you know, basically it gives you something positive in the short term, only to come whipping back later on. And I really can't say anything about phones because I may have already got an iPhone 13. Um, like, that was that was my big act of rebellion. <laughs> I mean, I've not paid any money for it yet. Obviously, it's all an, it's all an extra 10 quid on my bill for the next two years or whatever. Um so that was, um, and it was a very nice Scottish man on the phone. You know, I love a good Scottish accent. And um, and yeah, so I, I upgraded myself on Friday. And oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I, not, I'm not really embarrassed to admit this, but I'm, I hate the fact that it was this obvious is the fact that I was still in my depression at that point. And that was the first time I felt happy all week. And then that feeling was quite fleeting. You know, I was like, oh, I've just, but, but it was a, it was a, personal victory it wasn't it was twofold you know there was the feeling of oh i've just bought myself a new phone but it was also a personal victory of i struggle to buy myself anything and i've just bought myself a new phone i mean i was got i do that every two years anyway and i was going to do that at some point but the fact that especially while i was feeling like this and maybe i was thinking oh, i'll put that phone off for another week or whatever and you know it was announced a week ago i've been doing upgrades since january and i didn't jump straight on it so like I was, I don't know what I was going to do, what I was going to wait for, but I did it. But it was like I say, it was this, it was this sort of two pronged thing. It was that personal victory, and it, honestly, it comes down to I get people to say, 
I get people to answer the question, what's the positive you get from this? Because everything we do, we get a positive from. Even if that positive is short-lived. We like instant gratification. We're, we're, we're programmed for it. It's bad. And, and it's sort of like the younger generation are more programmed for it than my generation, you know, because I, you know, Netflix, when it first started, I was around, like, getting netflix through the post or i'd go to blockbuster video which you know the kids might know from watching captain marvel um, but like i'd go to blockbuster video and spend three hours kind of filtering through seeing what's in there only to then find the one that you want isn't in stock and then having to pick another one and all that there we knew about delayed gratification uh you know and everything's got quicker and i don't i actually i don't blame us as individuals for the fact that that which because we once once we get something, that becomes the expectation. There's a there's a great story that a guy called, it's a guy called Tony Robbins who's a very much marmite. Um, he's like probably the biggest mindset coach in the world, essentially. Slash, he wouldn't call himself that. Um, probably call himself a motivational speaker. I don't know, but he's like he's he's the he's like the biggie. And as a result, um, the people have got a very very love hate relationship with him. People either seem to adore him or people think that he's full of shit and can't stand him. Um, I fall somewhere in the middle, which is rare. I've been to one of his seminars. I thought it was fifty percent good, fifty percent lots and lots of upselling. Um, so, but um, he tells this story about when he was um, he was on a flight really really early when flights had just got Wi Fi for the first time. And he said, basically, as they were taken off, like, it's like, you know, welcome to your Delta Airlines. And on board for the first time ever today, we have in-flight Wi-Fi. And, like, everyone on the plane's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is fantastic. And it worked for, like, 20 minutes. And then after that 20 minutes, um, it went down and Delta had never had more complaints than, than that. And it's like you literally up until 20 minutes ago didn't know this was a thing like that's how quickly we get used to like things and then we don't like them being taken away and um so we get used to things being like you know if amazon decided that let's get rid of prime now and you can just have regular deliveries in three to five days or whatever because they've decided that they want to treat their factory workers with dignity (laughs) then like we'd hate it we'd all be like what what the hell what's this well like what I'll like I want it I want it now I want it right now if you know think about like um about how with like Netflix and stuff it's like they release the seasons in in one go most of the time like the Marvel stuff right now is like the only thing that my kids are having to wait for week to week and they can't stand waiting week to week but they're actually beginning to get that little bit of excitement that we might have had back when like Friends was first released or whatever it's like oh I can't wait for the next episode um you know you've got anticipation again you've got a little bit of delayed gratification and um, when it comes to stuff like what you said before yeah. about like yeah. buying things, generally buying things for ourselves gives us a little bit of a, it gives us a little bit of a dopamine hit, which is our reward chemical. Basically, it goes off when as a little reward we feel we feel good or we feel flush. There's social credit or at least perceived social credit in having nice things. Uh, the reason I say perceived social credit is because we think other people will be impressed with us um, for having certain things when in reality they're probably not really. Um, and we think that's what's important to other people again when it's probably not and they're all they're all kind of quite shallow victories unless you take long-term pleasure in in, in having stuff you know if if uh, <laughs> there's an expression like oh, i think it was california dreams or something like a really cheesy teen um 
TV show in the 90s where the guy was like, money can't make you happy, um, but money can buy you stuff and stuff can make you happy. It was like, you know, um, that's kind of how people think about it. But like you said before, the um, that's a boomerang. It gives you, you know, you get the instant gratification and the, then the negativity comes afterwards. The opposite of being a slingshot. Um, a slingshot you have to pull back, put under tension. I don't know why I'm faking it with actually out using an actual slingshot because I do have one on my desk for this very reason. Um, you pull it back, you put it under tension, you get the result later. When you go to the gym, I love the gym. I'll, you know, I've been going for absolutely years now to the point at which it's like it's an ingrained habit. I miss it when it's not there. I really missed it last year, but I don't enjoy every most workouts. I enjoy them more one the once they're done or once I'm past a certain point in the workout, you know, I don't walk through the door and I, I, I did for a while, like walk through the door. I was like, yeah, I can't wait to be on this today. I hardly ever feel like that now, but I always feel glad that I've done it. You know, cooking a nutritious meal again, when I was a PT, I got really into the habit of doing that. So it became a little bit easier. And then when I kind of got off that high horse and thought that I have to be this person all the time, I remember that some of the other things that I make are a little bit more delicious or whatever it is. And it's it's effort to make the, it's usually more effort to make the nutritious meal. And it's usually the reward for it comes later on rather than the instant gratification of this thing's covered in peri-peri sauce and it's delicious. Um, so it's it's this instant gratification thing it's like and we we could do with training ourselves to be okay with delayed gratification you know the reward for this will come later or even doing it being its own reward like rather than everything happen to be something that you're rewarded for you know oh i did an hour of work i'm going to give myself you know 20 minutes on fifa or whatever it might be it's like you know i did an hour of work yay go me you know like actually just taking a moment to feel happy yourself for the fact that you did it especially if you're self-employed and you're working on individual projects it's like it can be it can it can be the motivation to do that we think that we'll be so much more motivated when it's just for ourselves and stuff but the motivation to do to do that is the best way i describe it is you build you're riding a roller coaster whilst you're still building it so you're like this next piece is going to take me back up again i know it i just know it and sometimes it doesn't so yeah give celebrating the fact that actually i put the effort in um last week when i was really struggling with depression i made it to the gym once on, on the friday um, and I didn't enjoy the workout and I didn't feel better even for being there. But what I was telling myself when I got home was, look, even if you didn't enjoy that, you, your body's going to have collateral benefits to kind of to the fact that you've done that workout. If I get out and walk my dog when I, when I feel like I don't want to, I might not come back going, I'm so glad I walked that dog. But then again, my body's moved. The The benefit is like... The benefits coming later, you know, and then when I'm feeling better, it's um, or it might have slowed me down from from feeling worse, you know. Which again, as I said before, is it's a huge result. Sometimes not every result is an obvious win, you know. A win sometimes is I don't feel any worse. And the the if you know that's explain this in emotions, but I think the a, a way to explain it better is like is if you imagine finances. Because you know most most of us are most of us are more familiar with our finances than we are with our emotions. We know that you know if you're a grand in debt and you put a fiver in the bank, it doesn't get you out of debt, but it gets you closer. You know, and it's like and if you're in a grand in depression and you go and do a workout, it doesn't get you out of depression, but it gets you closer. And some days it's like if you're again a grand in debt and 
you're about to spend 20 an extra 20 quid and you stop yourself and you save that you're not any further out of debt but you're also not further into debt and this, the same can be true with your with our emotions you know it's like if um you know last week a lot of people did when i because i opened up about not being too well last week um a lot of people did actually reach out to me through social media which was amazing and i felt i felt at first guilty because i'm like surely all these nice messages from people should be making me feel better um but what i could say is actually it's it probably stopped me from spiraling even further and it probably stopped it probably slowed down the fact that i was I was heading to, you know, I was heading to a pretty dark place at that time. And if actually, if you stop a person from going any further, it might not look like a result from the outside, but it is a massive result. Mate, what's it, Teddy? He has some way words, doesn't he? No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not going on too much for you. Watch him on Tuesday. He does his Twitch things when you're working home. Whack him on the background. Well, that's even a new follower anyway. Tomorrow from one. Yeah, it's my well. triumphant return tomorrow because I've not streamed since last Tuesday. But <laughs> only a week off, but it feels like ages. Well, there you go. I'll be happy to join it. <laughs> I'll be happy to sit there and listen. <laughs> 10 to 6 tomorrow, Beth. You what? 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock tomorrow on Twitch? Uh, no, it's not 10 anymore. Um, they were, that it's, it was it was 10-4 at one point, and that was just, yeah, yeah I split it up into two. Um, so it's an afternoon on a, on a Tuesday and a, and a morning on a Friday now. So it's one, till, it's one till five. I don't know if I'll go the full length tomorrow because I'll, I'll, either, I'll either ease it back in and do like one till three, one till four, or... I'll get like so made up to be back and I'll go manic and hyper and I'll still be there Wednesday morning or something ridiculous. But um, it's one till, fi- one till five on a Tuesday, one till three on a Thursday and then nine till 12 in the morning on a Friday. And I don't do Saturdays as a, as a, as a schedule anymore, but I do the occasional Saturday stream as well. There's no way you set deadlines because you're always behind on chess. So if you look at things at them times, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. It does. I do. I do catch up. I do catch up. I actually hate it when I catch up with chats because um, then we have to move into small talk, and I'm not so good at small talk. I'm I'm good at big talk, <laughs> as you can tell. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have a t-shirt behind on chat, don't you? I do. I do. It was a. It was it was a bit of a joke because it used to people used to always come in and say how behind is he today and then people people in my chat would put a timestamp in um, and and then when the time I caught up with the timestamp we'd see what time it was so the the longest I've been behind was forty seven minutes I think there, there was there was one time that I was thirty two minutes behind when the stream had only been up for forty four. So within within twelve minutes, I'd already gone half an hour behind. But the the my my philosophy on all of this is, um, I like to give as much value as I can with each answer. I like to take everything that comes up in chat. I do answer everything that comes up in chat. People, some people think I don't, um, but that just means they didn't stick around for long enough. You know, it's like I do answer everything that comes up in chat, and I like to try and give an appropriately length answer for um, for for each question you know it's not just like if someone comes in and says oh you know i'm really struggling today and i I won't just go all right you know johnny's really struggling today sorry to hear that and move on do you know what i mean i'd want to go look i said is there anything particular you're struggling with today 
any what's been going on in your life recently you know please feel free to come in and talk about it and pop it in here you know like a lot of streamers don't like people they call it trauma dumping i can't stand that phrase um but a lot of people don't like that but i encourage that in my chat because as far as i'm concerned well i it's all based on how i used to run um peer support for mental health one uh, not one-to-one in groups in the gym like we do an hour of exercise for free and then we do an hour of chat so it was this once a week um session where it'd be the two hour sort of private circuit training followed by a private chat with like a you know a small group of about up to 12 people and i base i base it off that i we do we deal with the person who has the biggest needs in the room and that can if someone's feeling suicidal or they're feeling in crisis right then dealing with that person might be compassionately trying to help them get towards using a helpline or something because um you know i i am trained as a suicide prevention officer um but twitch is not the place to do it it's um because you can't give the person this this the one-to-one attention that they need is you're in the midst with everyone else with chat and stuff so but we try our best to kind of get to absolutely everything and give it give a decent conversation around everything rather than just being like saying mental health well um what, what did i used to always say about it before it was mental health and it was just mindset mindset became a buzzword about four years ago and um so everyone would just put mindset is everything and i'd be like oh cool someone knows someone else who knows about mindset this will be a cool person to chat to and he'd be like yes mindset does is everything what do you know about it uh, what do you know about mindset then let's talk about mindset and they'd be like uh that it's important <laughs> it's like that'd be the length of the conversation so i do get it i might be a little bit longer in the two for some people i might my aunt you know i if we have a joke on instagram that a picture says a thousand words but most of my words come well most of my pictures come with another thousand on top of it <laughs> um, i like to write essays on, on instagram but we're, we're dealing with we're dealing with an, an amazingly important and nuanced topic and i don't just like to I don't just like to pay it lip service and move on, you know. I like to I like to get into chew the fat on it basically. Yeah. I can't recommend this fella enough. Go follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Yeah, podcast. What's your podcast called, Dave? Give it a little, uh, it's now called the Mindset by Dave podcast. Originally it was called Master the Mind, Master Anything by Dave Cottrell, but most people as you you know can't say or pronounce or spell my surname. So so I changed it to the Mindset by Dave podcast so it's as easy to find as everything else. Perfect. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I love listening to you. I have done since day one I met you in the, on the Twitch chat. You're a legend. I appreciate everything you do. And here's to many, many more years of you doing what you do because you really do help a lot of people. I am one of them, so appreciate everything you do. Keep it up. No probs. Appreciate you for having me on. Thanks very much. We're going to end the podcast there, people. Don't forget to check out Dave's links in the description below. Please check him out. Go follow him. Listen to him when you're at home. Trauma in the background. Go into his live streams. Please do check him out. I can't recommend him highly enough, as you can tell, in the past one week, hour and a bit. <laughs> so, um, That's for the first time in my life I've been left speeches. I've just been happy enough to sit here and listen to you. <laughs> You know what I mean? And for anyone that knows me well enough knows that's fucking hard enough to do. So, you know what? You've already conquered one thing. Fair play to Dev. <laughs> no probs. Well, I used to feel a little bit self self um, insecure about doing that on people's podcasts. And then when you, you know, when you host them enough yourself, you actually realize that's actually the guest's 
I want I like those are the guests I, I quite like to have on the ones where I don't have to say anything like that they, they, they're my favorite guests so now I don't feel too bad about it <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely delighted because it's the way I'd love for it to be it's I love hearing you have such an interesting story and you've such a great perspective on everything and the work you're doing as well I, I can't give you enough credit for so Dave I'm absolutely delighted that you came on here and thank you so much for that no no worries I appreciate you for having me on we're going to end the podcast here, people. As I said, check out Dave. His links will be below in the description. And while you're checking out Dave's stuff, don't forget to give us a little like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on every single social that we have, please, and thank you. <laughs> All the socials. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> because for independent creators such as ourselves, it really makes the difference. <laughs> or just one click. You could sort ourselves for the rest of our lives. <laughs> 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 oh amazing no we'll leave us there take it easy that's it lads the after session is over now get the fuck out <laughs> <laughs>